peace comes not from what I have, but from the one that has me. And when our lives are surrendered to Christ, even in the lion's den, there is peace. There is peace. This is Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. Today's message, Perilous Pitfalls of Compromise, Part 2. Enjoy, and remember you can always catch up with past messages and stay up to date with Hope Lives 365 and Pastor Mark by going to hopelives365.com. And now, Pastor Mark Finley. Now, writing of Daniel and his friends' courageous stand for right, should they compromise with wrong in this instance by yielding to the pressure of circumstances? Their departure from principle would weaken their sense of right and their appearance of wrong. Now, let's pause on that sentence. What happens if I compromise my integrity? What happens when the Holy Spirit convicts me to do something, and in spite of the Holy Spirit's conviction, in spite of the clear teachings of the Word of God, I compromise that integrity? What happens? What happens is my perception of what is right and my perception of what is wrong is colored. So I can no longer fully discern rightness and wrongness. And as the result of that, I will then ultimately think that what I'm doing is okay and justify that. So the danger of compromise is that not only does it lead one on a path contrary to the will of God, it creates a fogginess, a murkiness in the mind so that sin cannot be discerned. Should they compromise with wrong in this instance by yielding to the pressure of circumstances, their departure from principle would weaken their sense of right and their appearance of wrong. The first wrong step would lead to others until their connection with heaven would be severed. They would be swept away by temptation. Samuel Johnson, a popular author, put it this way, the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. The chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. C.S. Lewis, in those screw tape letters, that famous narrative of Lewis, makes an interesting observation. One of his characters, Wormwood, says this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. You see, courage, not compromise, brings the smile of God upon his people, and it brings God's blessings. Daniel made a rock-solid decision. He purposed in his heart to serve God. And as the result of that, he opened his mind to the blessings of God. Back to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel graduates three years later from the University of Babylon with honors. He graduates three years later from the University of Babylon at the head of his class. Daniel's decision to purpose in his heart to serve God 
not only to refuse the wine, not only to refuse the unclean foods, but to negotiate with Melzar, the chief host, for a 10-day trial on a vegetarian diet. Daniel demonstrates mentally, spiritually, and physically the superiority of God's way of life. And there on that vegetarian diet, Daniel excels in class, not simply because of his diet, but because of the blessing of God upon one's life that was totally consecrated to him. We look there at Daniel chapter 1. And we see at the end of Daniel chapter 1, the scriptures recording the faithfulness of this man of God. Daniel 1 verse 17, as for these four young men, Daniel, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verse 20, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. Does it pay to serve God? Does it pay to live an uncompromised life? Does it pay to have an undivided heart? When we come to Christ and we say, Jesus, everything I have, all that I am is yours. All I want to know is what pleases you. All I want to do is the will of God. When we make that decision in our lives and we purpose in our hearts to please God in the things we take into our body, to please God in the things we take into our mind, to please God in every aspect of our worship, when we make that decision, we open our lives to the abundant blessings of God. The last verse of Daniel 1 is significant. Daniel chapter 1, let your eyes drop down to the last verse. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Darius. Nations rise and fall. Babylon comes on the scene of history. Medo-Persia comes on the scene of history. But Daniel continues. Kings rise and fall. There is Nebuchadnezzar and his son and his son. And finally Darius the, the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. Governments rise and fall, kings come and go, but Daniel continues. God is looking for a generation of young people today that are powerful witnesses in the Babylon of this world. And God will use them to touch the kings and queens and princes. God will use them to impact a postmodern secular society in the Western world. God is looking for young people today that purpose in their heart like Daniel did. He's looking for adults that make a decision to live an uncompromised life for God. And when God gets that group of Daniels today, that group of Esthers today, that group of Josephs today, when God has that group of faithful men and women today who want only one thing, who long for heaven more than they long for, for earth, who long for eternity more than they long for the things of time or the things of heaven, appeal to them more than the things of this earth. When God has that group of people, he will pour out his spirit in abundant measure and the work of God will be finished on earth rapidly, quickly. Daniel was faithful to God when he was 17 years old. But throughout the years, Daniel maintained his faithfulness. And we turn to Daniel, the sixth chapter. We come now to the end of Daniel's life. Daniel, the sixth chapter. And we come to the end of Daniel's life. Daniel now is 83 years old. 
Medo-Persia overthrows Babylon. Darius appoints Daniel, along with two others, as governors. The nation of Medo-Persia is divided into 120 areas. There's a prince over each area. Then there are three governors in charge of those 120 areas, and Daniel becomes the first. Now, here is the interesting thing to me. How old was Daniel at this time? Well, if he was in his late teens in chapter 1, about 20 when he graduated from the University of Babylon, and if Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Jerusalem in 605, and if Medo-Persia overthrew Babylon in 539, there's 66 years there, and if Daniel was about 17 when he was taken into captivity, he's about 83. Now, the interesting thought to me is this. Do you take an 83-year-old Jew and put him in charge of the entire country of Medo-Persia? There must have been something so incredibly special about Daniel's life. At 83 years old, because he had followed the principles of God in making positive choices in his life and had not defiled his physical, mental, or spiritual health, he was still incredibly sharp. He, he still had razor-edge thinking. The health practices that he had followed and the decisions to live an uncompromised life that he had followed with the blessing of God enabled him to serve for generations in his life. Living an uncompromised life is not some ritualistic legalism. It is rather in accepting the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers to us. Anything that Christ asks us to give up is only destructive anyway. The way of the cross and the way of self-denial through the cross at Calvary is the way to the abundant life because Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, I have come that they might have what? Life, and they might have it more abundantly. So Daniel, faithful to God. The governors became concerned about that. The princes became concerned. They became jealous. And there's one thing that one notices here in this chapter, Daniel 6, verse 4, and onward. Sin never gets smaller. It always gets larger. They look in verse 4. So the governors in the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, that they could find, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. They searched everything they could about Daniel. They bugged his royal telephone. They hacked his royal email. They opened every mailbox. They even checked his Twitter account. And they said, we know that everybody is somewhat dishonest. We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Finley. We thank you for listening and hope you're enjoying today's message. 
Our mission is to attractively present the Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in a practical, relevant way to people around the world so that they may experience the abundant life that Christ offers and effectively share with confidence His life-changing truths with others. You can support this ministry and help us reach even more by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, back to Pastor Mark Finley. We know everybody pads their pockets a little bit. Maybe Daniel is putting something away for his retirement account. Nobody's perfect. They examined his private and public life. They checked his finance. They analyzed his words. They looked at his commands and decrees. Everything he did was scrutinized, and they found nothing, absolutely nothing. Because Daniel was in pub private what he was in public. What are you watching on the internet when nobody else knows? What are you looking at on television when nobody else knows? What are you cramming into your mouth when nobody else knows? Are you the same person in private as you are in public? Are you the same person when you go to university or college that you, when you come to GYC? Daniel's heart was undivided. And when they examined his life, there was nothing, nothing that they could find by the grace of God, not by some superhuman willpower. It was not that Daniel overcame by willpower. It was that Daniel's will was surrendered to the one that had power. He did not overcome by willpower, but his will was surrendered to the one that had power. When he purposed in his heart to serve God, God gave him the power to accomplish that choice. You and I are weak. But God has given us the capacity. God has given us the power of choice. Daniel made that choice. Daniel, the sixth chapter, to serve the living God. And even when the decree went forth, that anybody who did not serve God would be cat, anybody who served any other God except the king would be cast into a den of lions. Daniel recognized that he had nothing to hide. It's a wonderful thing in life when you have nothing to hide. When if somebody checked your private life and saw what kind of books you're reading, what kind of magazines, what kind of television programs or internet you're surfing, that that was in harmony with God's will. The, in verse 5, the wise men say, the satraps say, wise only in the wisdom of Babylon, the rulers of Babylon would be more accurate to put it. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel, against we find it against the law of God. The unchangeable law of the Medes and Persians came in contact with the immutable law of God. Church and state united. And worship was decreed and enforced. But God had a man. God had an individual 
who sensed that his loyalty was to the king of kings, not to the king of Babylon. Once again, it end time. There will be, according to the prophecies of the book of Revelation, a union of church and state powers. But once again, God will have men and women that witness to the glory of his name, that witness to the might of his power in a final generation. The Bible says, as you look at it there, these satraps, these governors, become jealous of Daniel. Jealousy leads to envy. Envy leads to something else. Verse 7, they come before King Darius. King Darius lived forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute. What do you know about that statement immediately? What do you know about it? It is a bold-faced lie. Did all the governors meet? Was Daniel one of those three governors? He was. Did Daniel meet with them? He did not. So notice carefully. First, you have jealousy. The jealousy leads to envy. The envy leads to lying. And the lying leads to the willingness to put an innocent man to death. Starting down the road of compromise, one knows, never knows where that compromise is going to end. Envy to jealousy. Jealousy to lying. Lying to the willing to put the innocent man to death. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in the upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave God thanks as he did before. Daniel knew that without prayer, there was no power. Daniel would not allow his allegiance to Darius to compromise his relationship with God. Daniel remembered some things. He remembered that God had impressed him and empowered him as a teenager 65 years before to keep his heart pure before God. Daniel remembered the God that gave him wisdom to excel in his comprehensive exams in Babylon. Daniel remembered that God had given him wisdom and knowledge and skill, that God preserved his life and enabled him to interpret the king's dream in chapter 2. Daniel remembered that God had delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace in chapter 3. Daniel remembered that God had enabled him to hold the Babylonian empire together for seven years when Nebuchadnezzar ate grass. Daniel remembered that God had translated the writing on the wall for him in chapter 5 when the Babylonian empire fell. Daniel remembered that God had given him the position of the first governor of the empire. Daniel remembered these things and Daniel knew that God was the source of his strength. Whatever test you face, whatever difficulty you face, whatever challenge you face, remember that God is the source of your strength. God is bigger than the mountain you have to climb. God is greater than the problem you have to face. God is larger than the challenges that lie before you when you leave GYC. We serve not a small, narrow God, but our God is great. Our God is powerful. Our God is greater than the powers of hell. On the cross of Calvary, he triumphed over the principalities and powers of hell. He lives in the sanctuary above, and our God reigns. Now for Daniel, prayer wasn't a few trite phrases repeated over and over or some ritual memorized formula to Daniel. Prayer was the breath of the soul, was the vitality, the life of the soul. Daniel kneels to pray. And as he does, those governors and princes come running, if they can run, 
because they have been eating of the royal banquet hall and they are somewhat rotund and they can't run too fast. I imagine them crawling behind bushes. I imagine these slithering snakes looking up to condemn the man of God. When Daniel prays, they run back to the king and say, King, King, Daniel is praying. He doesn't regard your decree. He doesn't regard you. The king tries to deliver Daniel, but he can't. He can't and keep his position, and he's not willing to risk his neck by violating the law of the Medes and the Persians. So the king goes home that night to sleep, and Daniel's thrown in a lion's den. Now the Bible says that as the king goes into the palace, his royal musicians want to play sweet lullabies, and he says, no music tonight. They want to feed him Babylonian foods, a good supper, banquet, no food tonight. The Bible says, he says, no music, and he fasts all night. He gets into bed, slips on his royal silk pajamas, puts his head on some royal pillow, and there in a palace, in a mansion, in the most lavish building in the then known world, the king who has everything can't sleep. He tosses and turns. His stomach is in knots. He's got some kind of headache and sweats running down his face. And he tosses and turns all night. But the Bible says Daniel's thrown into a lion's den. And in this preacher's imagination, Daniel is in some stinky, smelly lion's den with lions that have not been house trained, with lions that may not have been washed for a while. And he puts his head on some big cat and goes to sleep. What a contrast. What a contrast. When there's peace in your heart, that peace passes all understanding. Peace comes not from what my hands possess, but from what my heart possesses. Peace comes not from what I have, but from the one that has me. And when our lives are surrendered to Christ, even in the lion's den, even in the lion's den, there is peace. There is peace. Here in that lion's den, the sun rises over the lion's den. It rises over the kingdom of Darius. The king runs to that lion's den. And in Daniel chapter 6, Verse 22, it says, the king cries out to Daniel in verse 20, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, what does Daniel say? My God has sent his lions and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. My God has shut the lions' mouths. There is a lion tamer in the house. There is a lion tamer in the house. When the lions of lust roar in your ears, there is a lion tamer. When the lions of anger or bitterness roar in your ears, there is a lion tamer. When because of a past, your life feels shattered and broken because what happened to you in childhood, there is a lion tamer. 
when the words of criticism are about ready to come out of your mouth, there is a lion tamer. When you're ready to reach for a glass of alcohol, there is a lion tamer. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the devil walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus the living Christ, is stronger than the temptations that we face, stronger than the little impish devil's lion. I thank God for the testimony of a heathen king echoing and re-echoing down the centuries. A heathen king makes his declaration because of the faithfulness, because of the loyalty of Daniel. Daniel was called by God. Daniel was chosen by God. Daniel was faithful to God. And when you're chosen by God in a final generation, when you are called by God in a final generation, when you are faithful to God in a final generation, your life will be a testimony before kings and queens, before your neighbors, before your friends. It will be a testimony in the university where you go. It'll be a testimony, a powerful testimony to others. You've been listening to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We hope you've enjoyed today's message and remind you that you can find more in our many ministry resources at hopelives365.com. And you can support this ministry by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, a final thought from Pastor Mark. God has not wound this earth up like a clock and he's not some absentee landlord in our lives God is alive. He is the living God. He is steadfast forever. He is just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, just when I need him most, Jesus is steadfast forever. Forever.